0: Hey, what's going on? It is Chris Carino. This is the Voice of the Nets podcast starting weekly. Now that the NBA season is underway, and now the NBA season is underway, we've gotten through week one. A better way to kick off the weekly pod and get into what happened in week one, as well as a lot, lot more. My, My friend, I'll call him one of my best friends, my partner of 20 years now on Nets Radio, the Nets radio analyst, the great Tim Capstraw, joining us right now. What's up, Capper? What's up? Good morning. Well, good morning, Chris. I'm uh, fired up to be on the pod here. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, and and I'd like to get into uh, uh, the story of of how we came to be a team. The the what I like to call the Bob and Ray of NBA <laughs> radio, which is a reference you. again. It's, a, it's yes, it's, if but you're it's, a, it's, over. If you're over if you're under seventy, you might not get that reference, but somehow you and I are old souls.
1: No no, I'm old and you're an old soul. <laughs> and, and it works. Yeah. I, I don't know why you would know. You're in your what what are you? Low 50s, right? Yeah, 52. How would you yeah. know But People your age don't know Bob and Ray. I know Bob and Ray because I'm the youngest of seven in a family. <laughs> so that is a reference for people that are very close to in their 70s. And
0: yeah.
1: um, here you are again. You've been here before. You're unbelievable. Yeah. I credit my dad.
0: I, I don't know. My dad used to, when I was little, he he would just, I don't know. I, I You know, you talk about those big moments. I, you and I are big Ted Lasso guys, right? you know, we love, we love hey. the show Ted Lasso. Um, and I, I just remember there was that scene with, uh, with Roy Kent when he's trying to talk to, uh, Rebecca, the owner of the team. If you don't watch Ted Lasso, the, the gist of it is, uh, Roy is this real surly old soccer star and he, and he's always with his niece and he's trying to tell Rebecca cause she's trying to reconnect with this, uh, teenage girl that, that is, uh, like her nephew, her niece, and she's trying to do all these great big things, and he says to her, "Listen, they—you don't have to do, make all these grand gestures. They just want to <laughs> be part of your life. They just want to be around you." And he's like, "Oi, you want to go to my podiatrist appointment?" <laughs> and the little girl is like, "Yes, please." And you know, he's like, "There you go." You know, they just want to spend time. <laughs> so, I, uh, those are the moments. Give me another Roy Kent, oi! <laughs> Give me another one of those, oi! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you the But I, you know, so it's those little moments and. I just that's you know my dad passed a few years ago and I just like the things that I remember are those little moments those little things and I just remember be like maybe little things like we'd be sitting watching tv or something and and something with Bob and Ray was on and he would tell me about Bob and Ray and we watched this thing and um you know uh Laurel and Hardy and right you know just stuff like that like I just so I so I got to know a lot of old stuff I watched a lot of old stuff with my dad he was a he was big he would buy those little audio cassettes of old radio shows you right. know and we'd listen to him in the car like that theater of the mind stuff probably a lot where my radio play-by-play creativity came from I don't know you know but it's cool um, I like that a little background nice job I like yeah that. yeah what, what were we talking about oh uh <laughs> yeah, we we're Bob and Ray of NBA Radio. By the way, we're we're beginning now our our 21st season, so it's it's our 20th anniversary, uh, 2002. And I, I want to a little later on. I want to I want to first get into the net stuff, and then we'll get into that later on about how how unlikely and out of the blue our partnership came. Okay. Um. You know what? Why don't we do that right now? Let's just do that right now. Right. What do you I'd think? Do
1: it. Do it. Do it. Do it. It's, do like,
0: it. it's my podcast. Um, <laughs> hopefully people <will> stay <laughs> I, can, with us. I can do what
1: I want to. It's mine. Yeah.
0: Um, because it, it is 20 years uh in October. And when I say out of the blue, I didn't know you at all. And I had done one year with Kelly Trapiuka. I had been with I've been with the Nets and Sun capacity since 1992. I started full time in 97. I was doing back, I was the backup in 98, 99, whatever. And then I get the job in the 0102 2 season, that's first run to the NBA Finals, Jason Kidd's first year, and I worked with Kelly Chapuka at the time, New Jersey legend, all-star, uh, and then Yes Network started the following year. Right. And Yes Network hired Kelly Chapuka to be their analyst. Famously, um, you know, they cha- moved on from Bill Raftery and went to Kelly Chapuka, and that summer, uh, I remember, Lula Morello was in charge of both the Nets and the Devils. And, you know, he, so Kelly left and, and there was like this search, but it wasn't a real heavy search. It was like, all right, if we know anybody, well, let's we'll get it out through channels to find a radio analyst. And I was always told, all right, we're taking care of it. You know, management, we're taking care of it. We're looking at it. Okay. You know, anybody come to me, you know, just bring them all, all right. You know, somebody contact me. I'll let them know. I, I get married that year. This is how long our partnership is. It, my marriage is as long as me and Cap are being together. And I go on my honeymoon in early October, right before the start of the season, with no one hired yet. And I get back and there's still no one hired yet. And there are a few names being bandied about. And I inquired about it. We were maybe a couple of weeks before the season. And they said, yeah, nothing's really worked out. So if you have anybody in mind, let us know. <laughs> Now I'm panicked. So I, I call up to uh, my friend Jack Armstrong up in Toronto. Now, if anybody knows Jack has become a, a hugely popular NBA analyst with the Raptors and he's a Brooklyn guy. And years back, he had reached out to me about maybe getting back into the area. He's a Fordham guy, uh, former coach at Niagara. That's how I knew him. And I called him up said, Jack, you got any interest? I know it's latency. So he said, You know, you know what, Chris, I just signed a new deal with Toronto. I'm really happy. We live up in Buffalo. Families get up here. But I've got a guy, right? <laughs> I got a guy. Got a guy. Everybody should have a guy, right, Capper? We have a guy. <laughs> yeah, I got a guy. Yeah. He goes, I got a guy. He goes, Tim Capstraw, do you know him? I go, No, I don't know. Yeah, great yeah. guy. You'll love him. You'll love him. I gotta, I'm going to have him reach out to you. An hour later, I think. I get a call right. from Mike Breen, and <laughs> you know Mike has been my, my mentor, like an older brother. He's a Fordham guy, so I, I wildly respect uh, Mike Breen, and he's telling me, hey, I hear your job's open, I, 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 and Nets radio analyst, I've got a guy. I've got a guy. <laughs> so Mike's got a guy, and Mike's guy and Jack's guy were the same guy, <laughs> Tim Capstraw. <laughs> So mm-hmm. you sent me a tape, you you called me up, we met, and I introduced you to Lamarello, Lou Lamarello, and you got the job, and it happened so quickly and out of the blue, and we're together 20 years. I mean, it was like it was like if people went on a blind date, got married a month later, and still lasted <laughs> 20 years. It's
1: unbelievable, Captain. No, it's unbelievable. And I, I still can remember um You know, it's funny timing. Right. Because uh, I at the time was trying to do college basketball and trying to. And I was I was doing some games here and there. But uh, and got got my feet wet a little bit, a couple of years. But I was also traveling every single day because I had been fired from my job at Wagner College as the head coach for about, I guess, a couple of years. And I would go out to Long Island every day, trek out to Long Island, and I would run any kind of basketball clinic that they would allow me to do at a place called the Island Garden, which, uh, interesting enough, is where the the Nets played one season um, right. and, and, uh, an awful long time ago. And uh, uh, interesting enough to have, at the time, I had Mike Breen's son in one of my programs. So I would see him often. And that was... That was that was very beneficial because I know he was very impactful um, or somebody you really, really admired. What stood out to me and what is um, is the effort that Jack Armstrong put into trying to get me the job. I've never, ever forgot that. And I've been in situations where people have needed a job. And I, I, I always think of what Jack Armstrong did for me. He might have put two weeks into the idea. He goes, hey, Rod Thorne's coming. They've got a preseason game here tomorrow. I'm going to get in his ear. I'm going to talk to him. Then I'm going to go over here. Then I'm going to send this email here. Then I'm going to go here. That is the type of person Jack Armstrong is. I've tried to do that for other people uh, to pay it forward because of the uh, the generosity he had uh, to help me. And I still remember meeting you. And uh, inter- it's, it was such an interesting conversation. I can remember all the details of it. You, you, you walking down the stairs um, in 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 the old uh, where, where the offices used to yeah. be in New Jersey, and then and then talking with you in the hallway. We we're just kind of talking in the hallway, and you, you know, and just saying, you know, what you're looking for, and uh, you know, and I remember saying to you. Hey, Chris, I I want you to know, like, uh, you know, people kind of think I'm, you know, kind of funny. I mean, I do these luncheon things and you go, hey, hey, it's not what I'm looking for. You know, I don't need Bill Raftery. I said, I got a little Bill Raftery. I'm a little bit wack. I'm a little bit different, but not real. I wouldn't call myself in that league. And you go, you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for John Andres, John Andres. And, and, and I. The funny thing is, who was the Knicks radio analyst at the time? If at, younger at the time, is passed away. Yeah, but but it, it. So I had a connection at the NBA office. A guy, a gentleman named Rob Laurie, who could get into the vaults of of. <laughs> he was working at night, and he had, you know, VHS tapes of John Andres' radio calls over TV. So I was able to obtain those, get those study those. And I can't tell you how hard I worked for my first preseason game to try to impress you, uh, because it was Atlanta Hawks. And I remember I had, um, my, 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 you know, you know, you put together a little, you know, preview scouting report. I did it all on a computer. And it's funny because I've done none of that since then. And you, <laughs> you are, you are perfect. Mr. Computer guy in all detail, and I'm scribbling things. So it was all pretty much a show, but, um, like a first date. first date, like you're on, on your got best impressed. behavior.
0: You're looking good. You're, you know,
1: I was, yeah, I was, uh, and, and it was, you know, a little phony at times, but the, wow. I, I just remember, and, and everybody always kids me because I'm the happiest guy they ever met. And, you know, you always think that, and I really am. I've been the luckiest guy that, uh, anybody could, you know, this job has been amazing. I've loved every minute of it. And, um, it was an adjustment in the beginning i had to learn it i think mike green said that to you hey listen chris he's not gonna know the nba that well yeah but i tell you what he's fun to hang out with he'll have fun yeah. on the road for a while and <laughs> then he'll learn the job and then i'll learn the job and, well, I, and remember, I remember about yeah. 25 games into the job saying to you chris i had an epiphany last night during the game and you i said no i never know the words for things chris I said to you, Chris, it came to me. I, I, I think I know what I'm, how to do this job now. And then you go, an epiphany? Yeah, I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of our broadcasting career right there. I don't know the words for things. You say it, then I go, yeah. And uh, I remember that, and it got better and better. And I can't believe the first year we did that, the Nets played in the finals. They played yeah. in the finals against the San Antonio Spurs it was went, unbelievable
0: went back to the finals you know i mean it's to hard finals. to do right. you know it's hard to do and i remember you telling a story about um the year before uh you had a break at allen gardens or something and you were in the car listening uh, to me and kelly tripuca doing uh, the, the the finals the or the Celtic conference game. finals yeah the conference finals not no, imagine a year, like, later, like, a year later a year later you're sitting next to me at the finals
1: that is wild. You know what game it was that I w- really was—I was stuck in my. You know how you like when you're in a car and you don't get out. I was—I was at the YMCA in Montclair and I didn't get out because it was the game that the Nets were were playing the Boston Celtics and they were up what twenty one or 21 something like fourth, that.
0: Start the fourth quarter, yeah. Game start three, start the fourth quarter, Conference and final. they
1: lost the game. And I yeah. remember that being a, a, an enormous game. That was the one I remembered uh, being it. And you, you're right. I mean, it wasn't. And then we end up being working with you in the next a few months later, which was amazing. And, you know, it's
0: interesting you talk about pay it forward um, with Jack did for you, because I I, I kind of look back. I I have this thing that I feel, you know, listen, everybody thinks things happen for a reason in their lives and people come into your lives at the right time. People go, people come uh, and it happens uh at a cosmic level I think not to get too deep but um sometimes it could be it could paying it forward could take a different form and and you also use the imagery of me walking down the stairs at the net's offices and ironically you know I I I have muscular dystrophy and you know I I don't walk down the stairs anymore and right. it's a progressive thing that is you know hampered my ability to do things over the years and our relationship got to be what it was and how close we are that as i've needed more help physically when we you know we travel the country or or do things wherever we are you have been there to do that for me and you know it's it's to me that's paying it forward you know that our relationship i think I mean, I like to think that we've both been very important to each other right. over the years. Uh, but but what you've done for me, I who could have known that when I got that call from Jack Armstrong, when I got that call from Mike Breen, um, who could have known that 20 years later, it would it would be such a great partnership and friendship, but also how much you do for me, how much you help me. Um yeah, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's moving to me. It's, it's jarring. It's enthralling all at the same time to think of that moment. You know, sometimes when we tell that story right now, that moment of me sitting in my cubicle at the Nets offices, talking on the phone to those guys and to you. I mean, suddenly as I'm telling the story, it's like, I'm sitting there right now, you know, that it's like it just yeah. happened i can i can vividly remember it and those beca- that's because when you when you when you go through impactful experiences when things profoundly change your life um those images always stay with you and and sure. i think that that not knowing it at the time but knowing it now that was an impactful moment in both our lives i think
1: um it sure was totally changed my life um in, in, in an incredible way. I mean, I think about it. I really uh, wasn't employed at the time. I mean, I was piecing it together. I had my Aren't dream you was the Saint John's job. Didn't you have to actually tell them
0: that you weren't interested anymore to do this.
1: Yes, yes, that that that's true. I was able to. Um, I was you know trying to you know put together anything I could. You know, any kind of I knew I wanted to be uh, a broadcaster, but honestly. I, I was a coach at Wagner College. I wasn't a yeah. coach at UCLA or Notre Dame where the people kind of just put you in place for a job. So I had to grind it out. I had to volunteer for a few years to just do any game I could and really practice on my own really hard. And I'm always telling young people, you know, about, um, you know, you want to look like you want to sound like and look and sound like a natural, but nobody is. And you have to practice. You have to sneak. You have to you have to reenact, um, and and get people to to help you. And um, it, it's just you know I, I spent an awful lot of time doing that. But people were also encouraging. My teams weren't uh, particularly uh, good. I, I had a feeling I wasn't treated poorly by my athletic director or anything like that. I was probably given one more year than I should have. Yeah. And. Uh, maybe two. And, but people had always guy. said, what's that? Because you're yeah, a good, good guy. guy. Well, and I went to the school, and the athletic director recruited me for sports, and it, and it wasn't it, you know, but that, that it, it, but I would go to these weekly luncheons, right? I would go to these weekly luncheons, and for, and for some reason, I would get up. They would be there. And, and in the beginning, it would be like Lou Carnosecco would be there, and you know, the in the it. area, yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. And all the great, good coaches. And then one time I was, I was pretty funny, you know. So then the next time it became like, Hey, what do you got for us? You know, what do you got? Uh, You know, Nick McCarchick, the, your coach at Fordham was always, and this guy, a gentleman named Dave McGarity, were always saying, Heffer, what do you got today? We can't just sit here. You better bring something to the table. So I would get more nervous about, performing at the luncheon that I would some of these okay. games. But uh, that also led to the fact that a lot of people said, you you have to, uh, you know, don't stop, you know, have, give yourself an opportunity uh, to be a broadcaster if you can. But again, I couldn't take the direct route because I wasn't a big enough name.
0: Yeah. And, and when people go just just to I'll recap your career quickly, because um, because that's what I do where we, I, I tell your stories. Um, but you were. A three-sport athlete in high school in uh, in the, the mean streets of Utica up in uh, upstate New York. Uh, you, you were originally going to Wagner on a football scholarship, but you hurt your knee, a knee that you've since had replaced. Um, you you went to play baseball as well at Wagner, but what you end up being known for is being a walk-on on the basketball team under P.J. Carlesimo, who was in his first uh, coaching head coaching job in his late 20s at Wagner. Um right and you you know you were you were like the 12th man you played uh you played on the scout team as like Ralph Sampson holding a broom uh when yes, you guys were getting yes, ready to play virginia yes you love that story
1: we were playing yeah. virginia I had,
0: to, I had to carry a broom <laughs> up and down the floor to be to be the 7 footer ralph sampson
1: To being a 7 footer swatting shots yes. it was great uh
0: you end up you end up being uh, uh the baseball coach at wagner And, and then you're at, you're an assistant basketball coach under Mike Dean. He brings you up to uh, Siena with him. Yeah. And then you come back as the head coach at Wagner. You're the youngest D one head coach in America. And you talked about not having success, but you did get to uh, a conference Northeast conference championship game. Was it the Northeast conference back then? It was still the Northeast conference, right? uh, Yeah. 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 And, and uh, you know, those are, those are on ESPN during championship week. And you lose a game to Ryder College at the buzzer, right? And it, it's on national TV, and you you get you get lambasted on New York <laughs> sports radio by the legendary Chris Russo on Mike and the Mad Dog, yeah. And because yeah. you didn't guard the inbound, well, but I did originally. You did, and then they call a timeout,
1: right? Then they called a timeout. I matched up. I had Brendan Kenny, a big guy about six nine, on the inbounder. But I had a number of guys foul out in the game. So then they called timeout. So I'm thinking to myself, I better. What the only thing I can lose in lose in this game is if I get beat over the top or I'm overthinking it. So I put Brendan Kenny from on the ball. To off the ball, and I put him as like a free safety. But that allowed a player named Derek Suber with four seconds to go to get kind of a running start. You have a number of players sort of wanting to guard, but sort of making sure they don't want to foul. Then he comes down in the middle of the thing and makes like a, it wasn't a bomb, it was like a 17 footer. It was, it was bad. So I'd always wanted to be, I was like at that time, Mike and the Mad Dog was unbelievable, right? Yeah. You would just wait at a one phenomenon. o'clock. Yeah. Phenomenal! It was unbelievable. This might have been nineteen ninety two, ninety three. It was even it maybe even got bigger after that for a number of years, but it was big, right? And, and to be a and and, and to, to hear your na- name on there and 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 here, did he get it, it, it right? Go-
0: did, did 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 he get it right? I like oh, I, I'd love Mad to go back Dog? to hear that tape. If he actually called you by your name and didn't screw no, up but the name he was somehow.
1: you know like like you do the greatest man so you'll do it for uh. me now I'm sure but 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 how do you how do you not guard the inbounder you know uh, Just, Mikey Mike, did uh did,
0: did you see the northeast conference game yesterday I mean <laughs> I don't know if you caught this oh Mike there's cap capshaw I mean he
1: he gotta guard go the inbound what are you doing <laughs> You know what it was, too? It was, the game was at 9 o'clock on night on a Tuesday, right? (laughs) And it's championship week. And that time was like the first time, you know, like one of those years when they started championship week. And um, Tom Meese was on the game, and a guy, and a gentleman named, who passed away, and a guy named Ed Murphy. And they loved the game because Ryder looked an awful lot like a high school gym. It looked like a high school gym. It, But it made it, sometimes things can be so bad they're good. It made it like incredibly appealing where they had almost like a stage on one end where they did something and then the crowd was ridiculous. And it really, really added to it. And because the game went back and forth, I had a great player named Bobby Hobson who had scored in the thirties. They had a guy named Derek Suber, and the game was going back. So you're flipping channels on a Tuesday, but it's not seven thirty-eight; it's ten fifteen. away. we got a pretty good game here. This is ESPN. Remember, yeah. ESPN was going on for a number of years, but there weren't that many. There weren't a hundred games on TV. Though. No,
0: thirty years ago, weren't as many channels to flip through. No,
1: nah, no, nah. and, and and so. This game it becomes intriguing, interesting. I remember them talking about the ratings were really good, but they're really good to see me. being you should have seen the floor of stormed when this kid made the shot. And it was. And these I guys remember are the awesome.
0: play. I, I remember the play, and then years later I meet you, and I'm like, wow, that was your team. Like I didn't,
1: I wasn't no, paying that close called, they attention. They but yeah, shot. I remember the game. Yeah. They call it the shot, but I will say there was a silver lining my 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 future wife was at the game. she had attended Ryder college, so i um and then over time, she had known one of the assistant coaches who ended up introducing me to her. They taught we talked about the game we did this we became went on dates and uh, we've been happily married for, for a long time. So I lost the game, but gained a wife. So li- <laughs> life is pretty good. The beautiful Chelsea cap straw. Is this, this is your life? Was this supposed to be the podcast? <laughs> yes. Well, we, we digress. Re- are we recording this? The podcast. <laughs>
0: this will this all be on the Patreon This will all, all be on the Patreon edition. We do uh, Voice of the Nets overtime. overtime? yeah, this will be: you pay An extra for this edition? stuff.: uh, oh we're going we, we promise we will get into the net stuff. but no, I, I, well, I know how uncomfortable you are talking about yourself. I think it's, a, it's something uh, it, it's probably the uh, the Irish uh, in you that doesn't like to talk about yourself. You're told you're, I, I, you're trained I, 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 by your not mom dad, not to I'm talk just, about yourself.
1: You know when you, what what was one of the things you taught me? that um the great marty glickman used to say right consider the listener <laughs> <laughs> the mantra well i i, think, no, these I, are, think, I people, think these
0: are fun stories i think you know uh, i think they're fun
1: stories yeah. i got fun stories of 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 failures of of uh i got baseball stories i got basketball i got you it's know. great because so,
0: we we've been doing our broadcast for 20 years and a lot of these stories come out during right. the during our broadcasts um but you know when on radio it, it goes out and whoever hears it has the opportunity to hear it and then it's gone and now we have this podcast and we can tell these stories and put them all in one place and we'll tell more uh as 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 time goes by and i i hope that people enjoyed it and, and it's a way of um promoting our broadcast get people to come out and listen uh, on the fan um and, and let's, let's get into that. let's just, let's just shift now to, you know, we, we are putting this out weekly, normally put this podcast out on, uh, we record it so that it's released very early on Tuesday morning, but we wanted to wait uh, for this one until after the third game against Memphis so that we had the three, the first three games to kind of talk about. um, And. You know, so let let's go into that right now. And if we if we if we go on off on any tangents, we'll we'll do that. Here's um <laughs> which I'm sure we'll do. Uh, so we watched the game last night, which is we're we're recording this the, the morning after the Memphis Grizzly game. So we're broadcasting that game. And if you could if you could separate yourself from having a stake in the game. Obviously Net fans are rooting for the Nets to win the game. Um but if you if you if you get over that the 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 rooting interest and you look back, that was one of those that they call like a league pass game. Where yeah. if you have league pass, that was the game you had to tune into and because the stars were on display and the stars did not disappoint. I mean, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh John Morant. And then we had a the, the guy who maybe outshined all of them is yeah, a definitely. rising star in right. Desmond Bain. And we gave the stat on the air last night that we got, I got it from the ESPN Twitter feed that it had been it was the first game since 1983 in the NBA that both teams had a pair of 35 point scores in the game. I mean, if you again, if you separate yourself and just look at it from the outside, you didn't have a rooting interest. You just like the NBA, it was a spectacular game. Even on Twitter, we 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 encourage people to go on our the, the Nets Radio Twitter feed at BKNets Radio and we answer and we talk and we correspond with the listeners after the game on the postgame show. And we have like one guy that always is always writing in, and he's a curmudgeon, usually. <laughs> and I and I use that, and I use that affectionately. Uh, John on on Twitter. So he's always in more toward the negative. And even he said, boy, that was kind of an enjoyable loss if there is such a thing. It was a
1: really yeah. <laughs> incredible game to watch. It, it was uh, the amount of talent or the great amount of uh, spectacular plays. And while well, you 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 know, you watch Kevin Durant and Kyrie make plays, you kind of get used to that. John Morant, you're getting to know and what he can do, and his his plays are spectacular. His athleticism just blows you away on some of the things he can do. And then you're right. You know, sometimes it, when you're watching a movie, this is, I channel, I'll found i channel my inner Carino right now, <laughs> and sometimes there's a supporting actor that steals a scene, right? And I felt like Desmond Bain was that guy last night where he kind of came in and was a scene stealer uh, in the second half and just kind of, Kind of owned the game, and that's where the game really changed. His ability to to make shots, make plays, and the, and, and really, I think some of the you know the Nets will tell you that, that they had some defensive breakdowns. But boy, Desmond Bain did not did not bail him out by missing. Sometimes that happens during games where people say, "Well, you know, uh, you know, boy, we, we played great defense." Sometimes the opponent misses shots too. After you, they bail you out like Desmond Bain did none of that last night. And he was uh he was really, really special. But it was an entertaining game. But again, if you're a Nets fan, if you're a Nets broadcaster, you you you, you look at things and, and you want to you want to see improvements and you want to see victories also. What have over
0: the first three games, starting with, you know, a home loss to New Orleans, a win against Toronto, and then the Nets go on the road against Memphis and lose that game. They're one and two. Uh, it's a tough start. We talked about it being a tough start. And it's a team that's trying to get familiar um, and trying to to get on the same page right now. Have you seen, in, in what ways have you seen uh, improvement regardless well, of the record one, over the first three games?
1: You no, know, game one, let's think about it. The Pelicans just physically dominated the, the Nets. They, they just destroyed them on the backboard. They had 36 second chance points. Understand that last year the Memphis Grizzlies led the NBA in second chance points. They averaged 18 a game. So they double, but that's how dominant the Pelicans are. So I see an improved physicality on the front line and the importance of rebounding the basketball, getting after it. I see an improvement as far as moving the basketball. I think the ball of 19 assists in the first half was incredible uh, last night and also doing that without careless turnovers. There were a few, but it wasn't bad. There was a lot of ball movement, so I'll accept that. So that's where I see over three games I see the improvements. I, I, you know, I want to see uh consistent defense, the communication. I think they're trying to do different things this year defensively, where they're not just saying, let's just switch every screen. We have different schemes for different players at different times of the game. And I think we're seeing some confusion at times between different players uh, because of that. And I thought that left uh, guys open and and allowed guys, uh, especially Desmond Bain, to make some shots last night. And I also think that the idea of uh, Ben Simmons getting him, you know, reincorporated into playing basketball in the NBA is not an easy thing. It's not an, I think he's, uh, for certainly game one, I wasn't, I was very concerned. I thought game two against the Raptors, he was better. I thought last night he did some things. I think he's got to get his comfort level and be an impactful player uh, defensively on the backboard and be in a more attack mode offensively. But I also understand that you've got to have patience, Chris. i got to have some patience. Uh, You can't. It's three games, and and you're always – and I'm always the nutcase that wants to go. And you're always, Capper, you got to give it – you got to give it – you got to give it 10. You got to give it 20. You kind of are after – you are after 20 games. I just don't want the Nets to get in a hole, and I understand the schedule is difficult. And I do th- – the frustrating thing to me is I thought a few of the mistakes that were made that left players open and available last night are controllables. And I think when you're communicating, and adjusting, and guarding, I, I, I think they I think they can improve. And That's really what I'm going to be looking to see over the next several games. They're going to be watching film today. Our, our, you can't really beat up guys. You can't say, you know, something. We didn't play good defense. We are we are going to drill this till the cows come home. They're going to they're going to get after it all day. We're going to yeah. know. You have to communicate. You have to watch film. And you have to see if this net team can absorb and improve on the defensive side of the floor. I thought they were challenged about physicality. They improved. I want to see them challenged about their execution on the defensive side and and really offensively, too. I think they can screen better than they've been screening. But that's what I'm going to be evaluating over the next uh, few games. You're going to go into these next two with Milwaukee and Dallas, and then you got Indiana. Then I'll tell. I want to see. I want to see the improvement. And if you see it, you're going to feel a lot better. You know, it's as a team and as individuals. I mean, you're seeing what Kevin Durant can do. You're seeing Kyrie Irving after a bad first game, starting to get it going. He was, you know, heating up last night. You're seeing different guys. But Claxton is a really nice, good-looking player right now. And uh, so you're seeing some things, but you want to see more defensively and you want to see some guys that improve and and be a little sharper on the offensive end also.
0: I mean, after the game, Steve Nash was talking about familiarity on the defensive end. I mean, everybody, everybody focuses on offense all the time. And then they focus on defense when they see the final stats, they see that big number put up. And, uh, but it's the, it's the, it's the possession to possession defensive challenges that sometimes takes the longest to, to get, that familiarity, that communication. There's sometimes right. more communication on defense than there um, is offensively. A lot more. Yeah,
1: there there is. If you're if you're close to an NBA game, and you can even hear it sometimes when they do like the would up things and, and the different games, and even even yes does that. You, you, communication is unbelievable on a basketball floor, and I think there's a lot. I think that's a big part of it right now. You you have to. Uh, talk the ent- entire time on defense, and when there is a defensive technique on a pick and roll, the communication has to be what we call ELC: early, loud, and continuous. And you have to—it's how early can you t- tell your teammate how what we're what the scheme is, how loud you are, and you have to say it over and over and over again, and then react. And I think that's the type of things that uh, this net team has to improve. And, you know, it,
0: it's funny because it, it, the offense, you could say, well, you know, it. you're not going to really worry about it because when you saw the kind of offensive display that Kevin Durant put on in the third quarter, that's the advantage of having stars and having play, all world players like Kevin Durant is you're never really going to be bad offensively. You got to do all the other stuff. Uh but you do have to have um you, you do have to have complementary pieces. You brought up Nick Claxton. Uh he has shown you, you know with the gravity that everybody else that that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant attract. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for Nick Claxton. And He's made the most of it. He, he, he talked to us. We talked to him after the game on Friday night. And, you know, we were talking about him uh, putting the ball on the floor a little bit more, some of the things he was doing. He's like, man, guys, I always tell you, I could do a lot more. It sounds like Daron Sharp, too, right? Like, I could do a lot more than what people think I can do. And, uh, and we're starting to see that uh, from Nick yeah. Claxton. I think he's made the most of, of this opportunity here through the first three games.
1: Well, you know, and uh, people always refer to him. And now I don't remember him in college. I, I we don't. I don't watch everybody in college, but they say he used to initiate offense, and I you know he's handled the ball. I think he was a guard when he was a young player for a period of time. You can see the skill. The one thing you like about Nick Com- uh, Nick Claxton, he's confident. I think he thinks he's a good player, and I think oh, yeah. that's a big part of a young player's development. I think he thinks he's good. And you know, it's something I think his ability is caught up to his confidence. And I think, you know, I think he's going to have some nights when, when it's going to be difficult. Now they have played against a lot of dinosaurs here in the early going. We've seen big, you've had Steven Adams. He's a dinosaur. Jonas Valanciunas, he's a dinosaur. These are the bodies that would create the biggest issues for the Nets. The, th- the, t- the first three teams, that the Nets have played were one, two, and three in offensive rebounding last year. So that was a great test for a guy like Claxton in the front line and, and the ability of the Nets after being destroyed by the Pelicans to be able to play well against the Toronto. At least Toronto and Memphis were one and two last year. I'm not sure exactly where the Pelicans were, but they certainly are going to be there this year with Zion. So, uh, you know, that that is what's uh, interesting to watch Watch a young player like him evolve. I think he's I think he's he's really moving along nicely. And then
0: the other complimentary piece is I mean, last night, the game against Memphis, uh, it, it was Joe Harris's second game back. And I think he looked a lot more comfortable than he did in his first game back. And remember, Joe you know, played one preseason game in the last basically year prior to to coming in the game on Friday night. And La- the first three games, Nets have gone off to slow start shooting the three, uh, but they go to their bench, and that's when you know Joe Harris come in, Patty Mills came in, made some threes. I mean, that will open things up as well. And you know, Royce O'Neal made a big shot Friday night. You know, he's been a guy that active defensively has made some big threes when he needs to. If, if that can continue to happen. um, the offense can get even better than it's been through the first three games. And I do think when this net team, you know, last night I think offensively they put up a big number, and a lot of it was Kevin Durant dominated for a stretch, Kyrie Irving dominated for a stretch, and they just were able to put up those kind of points, which is going to happen with this team. They're just going to do that. But when they're playing really good, crisp offense, it's amazing how psychologically— it translates on the defensive side of the floor. Yeah, Teams absolutely. dig in a lot better. When they're all involved offensively, they dig in a lot better on the defensive end.
1: Yeah, and involved not only scoring, but just moving the basketball. The, the game is so connected, Chris, and I think yeah. that can, can, can really uh, benefit the Nets. I think Joe, Joe Harris is going to be something you're going to have to evaluate. This is a different rule. You know, coming off the bench, Yeah, I think he had a couple quick open threes that he wasn't able to knock down. That's a different feel, just getting into game action right now. We saw him uh, against Toronto make a couple shots, but he, you know, he hasn't been able to light it up. I do like when I was watching Joe last night, though. He brings a, a physicality to um, to the way he plays. I thought he rebounded the ball. I thought he was, it, there's a toughness there. I, I think Royce O'Neal can can bring that also. And and we always talk about this, but we, last night we were unable to hear it. So I go back in the morning because one of my favorite things to do is watch Kevin Durant after a game break down a stat sheet because he sees it from, I don't know, sometimes it's just a little bit different than what I was talking about. I think it it, it is kind of the same thing because uh, the game really turned when Desmond Bain was making threes and, and, what he was saying was, you know, he's looking at the stat sheet and saying, well, the, the game, you know, there were mistakes and this and that, but they they made more threes than we did. They made more threes. And I think that there will be nights when uh, the guys like Desmond Bain are open, but they do not not able to connect on those. And I think there'll be nights when the Nets have uh, Patty Mills, they have Joe Harris, and they can even connect at a higher rate than we, than we saw last night. So I think that can be... That can be a difference maker also. But I just would really like uh, watching Kevin Durant look over uh, a stat sheet and then uh, communicate it uh, after the game.
0: Yeah, he has an enlightened point of view. And uh, some of that is also not you making more, but stopping them yes. from making so many. Oh, no, no, no <laughs> yeah.
1: no doubt. That's where I was kind of talking yeah. the whole time uh, about that I thought the defensive miscues led to that. But I also... You know, it, there was a discrepancy. The Nets were actually capable of, of shooting a higher percentage than they did last night also.
0: Yeah, and they should. I mean, and, and hopefully at some point they're going to get Seth Curry back. That could also help. Think about, you know, having more guys that can space the floor and, and shoot the three. But I'll tell you what I do, just again, going back from that league pass standpoint, watching Kevin Durant in that third quarter last night. I mean, he. it's funny because he's gotten off to – you know, early on in these first three games, you know, the first few possessions, he's not touching it. And then he yeah. he missed a lot of shots. I mean, there was some, you know, he got up to really slow starts the first couple of first three games. But man, that he he's always recovered and he's had these, you know, big games. But in that game in the third quarter against Memphis, it, it was the Kevin Durant that you can't stop. I mean, getting where he wants to go on the floor, using his size to shoot over people, getting to the rim. It's just it it, it's dominant. It reminds you, you know, you watch a third quarter like that, and it just reminds you that you are you are witnessing one of the top, I don't know, five guys in the game now for sure, ten games all ten guys all time. I mean, you're witnessing greatness
1: a night tonight if you're a net fan watching watching Kevin Durant. No, and, and I think that's one of the real benefits of being a a net fan. You know, maybe how have we gotten used to it? Let's not yeah. get used. To Are we this. getting this cheated not, to seeing Kevin
0: Durant go? You well, know, six eleven, go off the dribble, stop on a dime, shoot a a fadeaway over a
1: guy six ten.
0: You know, no, like, it, yeah,
1: it, it's beautiful to watch, and uh, you know, and then okay, well, he's. He's gonna. And now it's gonna be Kyrie's turn to try to keep the team in the game in the fourth quarter. And he, you know, they, he's played well, and yet he could even do more. You know, they could yeah. And it, it's, I don't know. It, don't don't take it for granted. But you also have to have high expectations when you have these kind of guys. Also, yeah. Which is why you want everything to come together, whether it be uh, defensively, what we talked about before, or getting a player of the ability of Ben Simmons to be a real real significant contributor uh to this net team this has got to be an interesting challenge to him to him well let's not forget about the coaches and his teammates right now this is not an easy thing and uh it, but it be, he gets to the level where he was playing before, the Nets has got something special. But waiting for that is going to be a, – a, a little bit of patience is going to be involved, and it's not going – it might not be easy. Yeah, and it's a tough start to the schedule. But
0: again, like we, we talked about this off the air, when, nah. you're, when you're considered a – you want to be a top-level team, you know, you 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 look forward to these challenges, and you don't shy away, and, and you kind of be like, well, the other team's got to look at it their way. we got a tough game, you know, Brooklyn coming yeah, in. Yeah, well, here, here's
1: the benefit that happens you get too, though. you play – yeah, it's a benefit, though, when you play good teams early on. Your preseason is so short right now in the NBA that the biggest key that you have to do in the NBA is improve your team as a, as a season goes along. It's almost like there's four different seasons going on. And your first 20 games are almost like your preseason, where your coaching has to become at a different level. Think about the Boston Celtics last year. They were not good, right? They were not good. They were below 500. There, there was were rumblings, yeah. and, and then they turned the corner, and it all came together. That's the type of things that have to happen with this net team right now. But you sometimes get fool's gold if you play weak opponents early. You want to play the teams that can make you expose your weaknesses so you can then show it on film, get on the floor, and get better. at at performing and so your learning curve will go up because they don't cut you any slack when you play and when you make mistakes against elite teams. Cabra that's well said
0: as always uh anybody that listens to you on the radio knows they get this kind of analysis night in and night out and uh I think that's it's a good time for us to to kind of go out on a high note here um I appreciate you you coming on and uh and breaking it down for us and, and breaking down your life, which I know is always yeah, uncomfortable to talk about. Yeah, This Is Your
1: Life was a. Was a yeah. it, it, there's another show. Now, how old are you? Again, <laughs> yeah. this, you probably know and remember This Is Your Life. I do. You, yeah. you I remember that.
0: Again, shouldn't. I shouldn't. Right? I shouldn't yeah. You
1: should not. This is like for 70-year-old people. I only know it because, again, I was the youngest in my family, and I had to watch these shows. You're unbelievable. What uh, do I don't you, know where you were so I, i'd like to get this going
0: i i i was thinking about adding some things to the end of the podcast with our guests um that will be interesting for the listener to kind of stick around for the end to see the answers from each of these guests um so let me let me throw that a couple of things and this i'm sure will uh evolve as we get going here so why don't we throw this out there first of all uh you brought up you know shows things like that is there anything that you're watching, listening to, reading right now that you would like to turn people on to? You could take a could take a <laughs> second to think about it. We could edit this. Our great audio person Isaac Lee can you know edit out the uh, the pauses. I can delay a little bit while you think about it. But is there something that I know you've had no. some time because you're you're uh, on uh, the mend a little bit from knee surgery and you might have had a little time to to consume no, some media, anything that you'd, I, I, that you'd say, Hey, I would love people to listen to this or watch this or read this.
1: No, I mean, I'm just uh, the last thing, um, you know, I, I'm like the pandemic, you know, I can only, Ted Lasso got me through the pandemic and I can't wait for season three. Uh, Shits Creek was unbelievable. Remember that, that, that? That's a heck of a show, but I, I don't, I, I don't, um, I'm not necessarily a great guy that binge watches TV. I watch, I watch NBA basketball. I don't. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that well read. Although I love what what I. What's, do, your, what's I
0: a d- book that you would recommend? Though I know you have read books. What's something that you would say has had an impact on you that you would recommend to people?
1: The book uh, that I recommend to other broadcasters, whether they be analysts or. Is a, is a book that's used in, I know it's, it was used at Hamilton College because uh, we had an ex-CEO, Charlie Mearswa's daughter, was reading this. It's called Made to Stick. And it's, it's, uh, it was, it's a book about why things, this is big in broadcasting too, why certain things have been able to be what we call sticky, where they stay in your brain. Will you think about them the next day. And uh, when I'm broadcasting, I don't try to overdo it, but I also know that when there are things I say that people remind me of the next day, hey, you said that, that made me smile, or that was a great way to present something, that means it was sticky. And whether it be when they're playing hard defense and they're getting on, I mean, and if I say, oh, I'm playing mother-in-law defense right now. I will usually get a response from somebody <laughs> that I, I can't believe you said that or something like maybe that from your that, mother-in-law. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. The um th- that's another that's another that's another podcast. Yeah. The um uh, but um uh, that's the type of that's the book I, I I always recommend and I try to be I try to be sticky. I try to constantly collect things that I might use um during a game whether it be a quote uh a word a phrase so that's kind of what i do i'm very shallow to tell you the truth i don't bring much to the table uh made to
0: stick is uh is by uh, chip and dan heath yes the heath brothers um the heath brothers yeah like kind of like the morris brothers but different um <laughs> remember i know you're a great you're you're a coach and and like any Uh, coach in that era, I'm sure you looked up to Jim Valvano, right? Right. Um, And he had that great speech at the ESPYs and he, and he talked about, you know, never give up speech. And he had the three things you should do every day, right? He said, you should, you should think, spend some time in thought. Uh, You should, you should cry, have something that moves you to tears, whether it be, you know, in, in whatever way. And, and you should laugh, you know, every day, if you could do those three things every day, you've lived a good day. So let me ask right. you, first of all, what makes you laugh? Give me something that makes you laugh, Capper. I'm good. I'm thinking of an answer because I know you so well, and I want to see if you give me the same answer.
1: You know what makes me laugh is when I make you do impressions during <laughs> basketball games. It's one of my favorite things to do. You can do almost every impression I've ever requested, or at least you'll try. And that makes me, that makes me laugh. I get a kick out of that when I, I'm like a jukebox or yeah. Or when I, when I do, when I do, um, when I ask trivia questions that I don't know the answer to <laughs> and I just, that makes me See, laugh. Now so I thought your what answer, are you thinking about? I thought
0: your answer was going to be Steve Martin.
1: Oh no, I love Steve Martin. I, I love, I love different comedians. I love comedy. I Steve Martin. Um, when didn't your mom young, buy
0: you a Steve Martin album like that had a big yes, influence no, on no. you? No, no,
1: no. It was, I, 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 you know, I had Steve Martin's albums. I took, um, I, I, I didn't have my high school yearbook for about 30 years. And then I, 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 I saw a copy of it and realized there was a, that wasn't my formal picture, but there was a picture of me with an arrow through my head. You know how he used to wear <laughs> Like Steve hair. Martin, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, gosh, I, I had issues back. No, no. I love Steve Martin. When um, But I love great, great comedians, whether it be my mother used to let me um, stay up and watch Johnny Carson if I knew there was a great comedian coming up. So I, I think that I saw, um, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's first performance uh, guy, and different guys like that if Steve Martin was going to be on. And um, I, I just uh, I just always I like to laugh. I, I enjoy comedy, and that's probably that's probably one of my um, that's probably one of my um, yeah. one of my hobbies is to listen to guys. And it's had an influence on your broadcasting. I think you know.
0: I think you are <laughs> funny, and I remember, you know. Uh, you told we,
1: me. you told me you weren't looking for funny. You weren't looking for funny.
0: Uh, remember uh, one of my interview? I don't remember saying that. But if you if you remember it, I probably did say it. But I think. I think first and foremost, I was just looking for analysis, and, and I remember saying too. Also, you're you're one of the assistant coaches. You're gonna get to know. You're gonna know a, a guy on every staff, and because you guys are all you know from the same circles. And but no, but but I I guess it's probably because you know when some people say they're funny, you don't know. Like I, you know, like everybody thinks they're no, funny.
1: No, you know what? Here's but you were. You but I'll people... say this:
0: you were, you were when when Jeff Van Gundy. And Mike Breen said some nice things about us on the air uh, one time. They, they they were ABC game and it was a blowout. So they were looking for things to talk about. So they showed us and they started talking about us. And Jeff Van Gundy said, Tim Capstraw is one of the genuinely most funny guys that's ever walked an NBA uh, 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 basketball sideline.
1: Yeah, and it's true. It's, yeah, I remember. It yeah, well, you know. You know what people, you know, about people are going, why is it
0: funny today? No, I'm sorry. No,
1: no. You know what's funny? You know what, but here's something that made me, you know, when people say, I got a funny story, you know how they preference it. I got a funny. No, no. You have a story. (laughs) Decide if it's funny. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. Yes. Don't tell
1: me it's a funny story. I got a story. I'll laugh if it's good. All right, I Let, just want to
0: give you an example. Back to the back to the other things. So what makes Tim <laughs> Catstraw,
1: what moves you perhaps to tears? Uh, my children, you know, in a, in, a, in a good way. Whether it be uh, a breakthrough with your, your child as far as, you know, if they go away to college and they're okay that day because the next day might not be great. That, well, first of all, dropping your kid off at college will move me to tears. Yeah, I can tell we've you that. Which we both done
0: this year. We just
1: we both did, and yet other smaller things. You know, um, I think children do that to you all the time when you when you care so much about um, your kids that they, they they easily bring tears to your eyes in little things. Uh, maybe big things, and and just daily, uh, the emotions that your family can bring out in you is um is really amazing. What I thought you might say is, "This
0: is us." Well, this is us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's that was a few years ago. Sterling K. Get, Brown. Sterling K. Sterling Brown played for who? Milwaukee. Yeah, so we, it's so it's we'd always get kind, into him. Yeah. Then then it would go into "This is us," and then we'd say, yeah. "No." Uh, I used to cry it. I'm a, I'm a, like, I can cry pretty easy. You know, a lot of guys don't cry. Yeah, I'm not cry. really, I'm not particularly tough. You know, yeah, no, I know you learn that you're not I a, hugger either. You're, ther-
0: you're a crier, not a hugger.
1: I go to, I go to physical therapy and, and have no problem screaming. And, and it's funny because I'm the youngest person there <laughs> and there's a lot of oldest w- older women there. And I, I, I go into this other room and they got to bend my knee back and all this other stuff. And I scream and cry and do all this stuff. And I see, I come out and I have to apologize to Dorothy and Regina and they're, you know, they're coming in, you know, with their, you know, whatever, they're going back to their whatever home. But, um, that's a different kind of category. That's a different type of, all right. But all right, I, I digress. What, yeah. do, what else we got?
0: The think part of it. Um, If, if you could put, you know, the the Oculus outside Barclays Center is this great, you know, meeting place and you could put a message up there on the board for everybody to walk in to see what, what message would Tim Capstraw want to put on the Oculus for everybody to see as they walk in that you could see as many get a a message, a, a thought, an idea that you want to put across to the world. What would that be? Uh, never
1: delay gratitude. I love. That. I remember Joe Boylan who passed away, and he was an administrator. I think at, at Rutgers uh, a few years ago, we talked about that. But if there was anything, if there was one phrase that I, I, I flat out—and I steal everything—but I, I thought that really hit me. That really hit me. That if you that I don't think enough people appreciate what they have. And day in and day out, or if somebody does something for you, say thank you and be appreciative. And just, I just thought that really hit home as a, as a way to live uh, someone's life is to never delay gratitude. That's fantastic. It's similar to it. When you think about
0: a compliment, you, 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 and I've tried to get better with this over the years too. If I see something of, um, uh, another broadcaster or a, a person do something great like and I think wow that's unbelievable that's it let them know like tell them yeah compliment yeah. people throw out those compliments don't don't be stingy with those compliments people like to hear it um, people
1: like to hear it and it's amazing people when I, I just it's just amazing to me in this world that people don't get more out of the benefit of the enjoy the joy you get from helping others. And and I, I wish that I, I, I it's one of the things that frustrate me um, that, that that I wish everybody could understand that that is that is one of the greatest benefits you could ever get.
0: Well, then you've gotten a lot of joy over
1: the years being with me, Capper, because you help me out all the time. And that, that is a wonderful w- way to, um, you know, how I've, I've noticed people on podcasts, you know, they'll give you something at the end of the podcast. Where, that is awesome. That Jim Valvano thing. Was that your first? Am I your, that was cool. That's the first. That, yeah, I'm trying to. Will, yeah, You will get some very interesting responses with that. I, I just want you to let you know that I approve.
0: That's great. That's awesome. That's what I was going for. Uh, I like it. A question is only as good as the response, and you you gave me some good responses. So, um, Capper, you and I will reconvene. Uh, We're gonna we're gonna talk to the to the crowd and the the audience. Uh, I don't know when people are listening to this, but we're back on the air before the Nets and Bucks. Um, and then a second of a back-to-back against Dallas. The way to hear me and Capper all the time, obviously, is nine FM in New York on WFAN, also on six sixty uh AM on that side. And, you know, there are a couple of other easy ways you should let people know. If you're a serious subscriber, you can hear every net game on Sirius. Um, there's a dedicated channel too. I think you could find if you look it up. I should have had that information, but I don't. Um, also, there's the new the new NBA app. I realized the other day. You know, they 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 redid the app, and if you when you go to the game off the home screen, it has a button to listen. And you can listen uh, if you're within 75 miles of 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 New York City. You could hear us right off the NBA app, I believe. And I don't know if that's going to go away. If you have to pay for that um, down the road, there, I'm not sure. Um, but you also on the Brooklyn Nets app. You know, when there's a game, open up the Brooklyn Nets app, there's a little button right at the top, listen. Uh, and on the Odyssey app, which is WFAN's company, Odyssey, you can listen as well. So there's a lot of different ways you can hear us. And if you're, if you're in the car, obviously a lot of people listen to us on the radio in the car, and we know people are in the car a lot in New York. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, think of it as a, the Carino Capper, Capper Carino cast. You know the alternative broadcast. If you wanted to, you know, if you're watching the game at home, listen on your phone a little bit. Get some of the insight of Tim Cavstraw. I mean, we love the S guys. We're not telling you not to listen to them, but um, sometimes it's an alternate, an alternate universe. I, I hate when people have started to use the term Manningcast to describe these things. Right. Um, it, it, it is great because it's a descriptive way people understand it right away. Oh, you're an alternate broadcast, but. The Manning cast is great because it's the Mannings. I don't know. We can't look, Eli and 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 uh, Peyton are very, very hard to be compared to. Those guys are incredible at
1: what they do. No, I I I I agree with that, but I also think that I think the people that have been loyal listeners um, to us know that we have we have been kind of doing that for a while. Like in second quarters and stuff, you know what I mean. Like I yeah. think we have a, a different way of doing the game. That is when when I watch the Manny Cast, I, I would say to uh, my wife Chelsea, I'd say, you know something. There are times during the game when it when it calls for it, or the game is, you know, it, it's not. The most important time yeah that that's that's kind of the banter that uh goes on between myself and chris so. yeah
0: and i think that's we we call it our second quarter where we're like you know how do we if, if you're driving your truck on the turnpike in and it's the second quarter of a game and you, maybe you're not even a diehard net fan but you're just listening because people just listen to fan at a habit in uh in new york city um how do we you know, why, why would you be listening? Because that's when you're going to get some of our best stuff, our stories, our analysis, uh, tangents that will go on uh, because it's second quarter of an NBA game. You know, yeah, we'll keep you entertained.
1: I think, I think, I think, I think we're going to go around the league a little bit more this year, too. Talk a little new bit segment. around the league. A right, no, new segment I'm, I'm putting in. I'd <laughs> like to announce that today. Gabber, thanks. That was fun. Talk to you on the radio. My wife.
0: All right. This is my life. That's the capper. My partner, 20 years, 21st season together on WFAN and Nets Radio. I'm Chris Carino. This has been the Voice of the Nets. Thanks to Tom Dowd, Isaac Lee, and our entire crew. Talk to you again next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe, please. Give us a good rating. The Voice of the Nets podcast. So long. Thanks.